When it comes to sexuality, the world has perverted it. The church has been shamed or silencing to it, but the kingdom of God celebrates it. And so we need our churches to realize that sex is not from hell. Like sex is from heaven. Welcome to the Influencers Podcast. I'm Scott Young. Our co-host Dave Donaldson is out on assignment, but we have Chrissy Cochran, the one and only the communication genius behind this whole organization. And she brings estrogen to the show, and that makes a huge difference. We're together today, and we are talking about increasing the influence of your life in your world and in the world you live in. Let me ask this question. Who was the first person to talk to you about sex? Was it a friend, a teacher? Was it the internet? Was it your mom or your dad? I remember the room I was in and the questions I asked when my mother sat me down. She was a nurse. She was very clinical. She answered, I would say, at age-appropriate level. And she explained to me about the birds and the bees. Now, Chrissy, you are a young mom. you got kids. How old are they? My kids are 11. My oldest boy is 11, and I have twin girls that are nine. So I'm in, I'm in the middle of it, Scott. I am very protective of what they see and what they hear. And even nowadays, like cartoons, cartoons will have messaging in it that it, they'll ask questions. I'm very protective of anything that they get their eyes on and hear. So, um, yeah, my kids are coming to that age. And in fact, Scott, just a few months ago, I had the talk with my son. Actually, my husband and I did it together. And, and you know, we had walked him through, or Mitchell did, my husband, through um, a little book about just like learning about his body and, and, you know, and the change that would come. But when we decided that it would come to the place of this is actually what sex is and how God designed it, we did it together. Mitchell and I did it together. And so I know a, a lot of people would do, okay, the father would give the son and the mother would give the daughter talk. Um, but I was really like, well, I really want to give it, um, talk to him um, with both of us so that there's nothing uncomfortable. And I knew that there was a, a window where we can get him before, you know, anyone else did on the playground or um, just anything might, might pop up that give him misinformation. And Scott, it was... It was quite beautiful. Let me tell you how we have this boy who is playing with his Legos and we get to sit down and, and go through this conversation with him. And he's really at a good age because he started, you know, asking all the right questions before just like, but how, but, but how mom, how does the baby get in the belly? But I don't understand how. So we knew, okay, he's pretty sheltered. Um, and actually he's probably even a little immature for his age, but intellectually he was asking the right questions. And we sat down and can I tell you that as he was playing with his Lego and it came to the actual line of like explaining to him how babies are made and the gift from God. And my husband took it from there and said, this is what happens. My little precious boy looked up from his Legos and goes, really? Like, really? Like the most pure and innocent response, like, that's so weird. And we both laughed and kind of cried a little bit. And I'm like, I know, buddy, like, it is kind of weird. That's what we thought when we were your age, too. And, and then I got to go into just talking about God's beautiful design of it. And, 
and um, how, you know, just an expression of love between a husband and a wife in the context of marriage and you do it often. And then he looked up again and he goes, you guys do this all the time? <laughs> and we said, yeah, buddy, and, you know, we'll talk more. But we continue to have these conversations of like what uh, you have questions about. It. And I know it's just the beginning of more to come. But I'm glad, so glad that we were able to get to him before there was a, a misclick on the Internet or someone on the playground gave him misinformation. But it's um, and, w- and we'll see when the girls come, Scott. You know, the girls well, are a little, little young. Today's podcast is about influencing some of the most important people in our lives, our children, with a healthy, God-honoring view of sexuality. Our guest today is Caitlin Zing, who began with her husband in 2017, The Moral Revolution. One of the things they share is exactly what we've been talking about, how to start a healthy conversation and unfold God's design. Now, they've been married for 15 years. They have four children. Now, get get the Cole, Caitlin, keep listening, Caleb, Connor, Cade, Chloe Rose. So this family is brought to us by the letter C. And Caitlin, we are so glad to welcome you to the Influencers Podcast. How did you get into this as a topic? And how do you um, welcome and tell us a little bit how you got into it? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having us. Uh, The C thing is funny. Once we had our third child going towards that way, we were like, we're either making this or breaking it. So we decided to go all in. Um, But yeah, super thankful to be here with you guys today and thankful for the work you guys do. We joined Moral Revolution in 2017. My husband and I uh, got married in 2006 and right away like came back from our honeymoon and we were pastors at a church in Sacramento, California. Uh, we were leading a ministry training school. Then we led youth and kind of oversaw some citywide movement. So before coming to Moral Revolution in ministry and in pastoring, we kind of started to get deemed the sex pastors. <laughs> like when our other friends' youth groups didn't want to have the talk, they're like, come talk to my youth group about sex. So uh, it's been a passion of colonized, honestly, ever since we were dating. Uh, we were dating back before there was, uh, I'm trying to think, FaceTime, texting, Zoom. You know, it was flip phones where you waited for free minutes, like super mm-hmm. late at night so that you could talk for free. And we were dating cross country from Florida to California. And I remember dreaming about leading like a sexual purity ministry one day together. Uh, it was just a huge passion of ours. I think mostly because of our stories. Uh, my story comes from a very sexually promiscuous background where not raised inside of biblical understanding, you know, and faith walking with sexuality. And then he would be, <laughs> I jokingly call him the poster boy for purity, where he was raised in the church, uh, was very pure mind, you know, mindset and sexually with his body. And then when we merged, it was this big, like, oh man, like you're going to date her type of situation when it came to sexuality. So once we got married and just started walking it out even more, we just were so passionate about spreading the message of God's design for sexuality using both of our stories. So at what point of your life did you come into faith with with Christ and become a, uh, a Christ follower? I was actually 16, so still pretty young. But um, my sexual experiences, I love the story or the question that you started off today asking the listeners just to think to themselves, because that's actually really important, is finding what is the root of your belief system? So, Because so many of us, even as believers, would say, okay, we know the Bible says to wait, you know, sex outside of marriage is bad, a hint of sexual immorality. Like we might have these thoughts, but then there's these, you know, unstated beliefs that are probably in a lot of our subconscious because of how we were exposed, how we were taught, if something happened to us. So 
for me, realizing my sexuality started so young, uh, really just social pressure, peer pressure, thinking everybody's doing it, um, not knowing there was another way. Like I didn't even have the concept of choosing to wait. I just thought this is part of life. You always do it. So this is just your entry level into it. And it kind of was a spiral from there. So uh, my sexual journey started when I was just in seventh grade. So also such an important thing to be talking to our children when they're young, because I'm walking into this completely blindly and then went down the spiral. So it was quick to partying, quick to lots of casual hookup culture. And then I encountered Christ at a summer camp. Uh, shout out for Christian summer camps. Yeah. My cousin who was a believer and probably always praying for her crazy like party cousin mm -hmm. uh, invited me to a summer camp and I went and experienced the love of God. Uh, I actually was like, there was a huge crowd of 800 teenagers from all over the state of Florida is where I was uh, raised and my reputation couldn't follow me there. I didn't know anybody there. So I just got to be before the Lord and mm. uh, felt the presence of God. And the preacher was kind of like doing prophetic words, words of knowledge, calling people out of the crowd. I had no reference point for this, but I just said, okay, God, if you're real and you want me to give up my life, because I thought my life of partying was, you know, and popularity was all there was. I was like, I'll give it up for you. If you're real, have him call me up there. And uh, that next moment, before I really even finished the prayer in my head, the preacher just said, girl in the black V-neck shirt, and called me out of the crowd and just spoke straight from heaven over my life. And so the theme of the camp was no looking back, no going back, no way, and I didn't. I was completely transformed and just started my journey of sanctification and discipleship from that moment on. So you begin a journey towards a new way of thinking. You started to hear about what the scriptures talked about when it addressed sexuality. How, how did you make the journey from 16 to all of a sudden now hearing these, I don't want to call them rules, but they are rules. How did that assimilate into your life? Quickly? Confused? Yeah, I was so hungry. So uh, at that point in you know my teenage years, I'd never read a book. I hated reading. I would read the cliff notes for like English papers. Uh, but at that point when I got saved, I was like, I need to know the truth. Like I know nothing. And so I was just eating the Bible. Like I remember staying up till midnight in my room, uh, just reading. It was actually a teen study Bible a friend gave me. And I'm just like reading as much as possible. And then I found a Christian bookstore and I went and read every purity book possible from the, <laughs> I guess they were from the late nineties, early two thousands. And so I read, I kissed dating goodbye. I read, I gave dating a chance. I read, and the bride wore white. I read, uh, Lisa Bevere's book was a massive uh, game changer for me. It's called Kiss the Girls and Made Them Cry. That was the first one I could really identify with. So I was just eating everything I could to find what does God actually say about this? Like now I know that he loves me. I know that he's removed my sin as far as the East is from the West. I'm a new creation, but how do I walk this out? Um, so it was slow in the sense of, you know, it's not, it wasn't night or day. It was like my first guy, uh, boyfriend at youth group convinced me that, you know, everything but intercourse was okay. I didn't know otherwise yet. Hadn't read that in a book. So I mm -hmm. believed him. So here I am engaging in oral sex still with a guy at youth group thinking this is what Christians do. So, so much that I did not have a grid for what was pure, what was holy, what were the lines that are healthy boundaries that God gave us. And so once I really just continued to dive in, found disciples and mentors in my life to speak the truth to me, uh, broke a lot of 
um, soul ties, sexual ties, lots of stuff that I just needed to renounce. That's what Lisa Bevere's book helped me to do is just renounce the things of my past and really step into what it looked like to be a true believer that is walking free of shame, but also free of those ties that I had made with so many young men. So you were raised in a highly sexualized culture, and it probably has got even worse through music, through social media. Uh, It just seems that kids are being sexualized younger and younger and younger. What what do you think the role of this increasing sexualization of our culture is doing in our society? And what do you think people are really looking for? Yeah, I think, I mean, we we know the root probably is just sin, right? The root is so much just being lost and so, so much darkness and so much. The, the enemy's after our identities, and he's after us knowing that we're loved children of God. And so when you have these the identity confusion or even just broken sexuality, it's so easy to be filled with shame, darkness, and kind of spiral. I feel like that's where I found myself. Um, I think a lot of it probably comes to from the breakdown of family where you're like, wow, like, fatherlessness. We could do, you know, a whole conversation around the statistics of where we're at with that. So having healthy voices. Um, But also I think one of the major roots is just the church's silence on it historically. Like the founder of Moral Revolution is Chris Valentin, and he always says, you know, when it comes to sexuality, the world has perverted it. The church has been shamed or silencing to it, but the kingdom of God celebrates it. And so we need our churches to realize that sex is not from hell. Like sex is from heaven. And so, so much of cultures, conversations and everything, like you said, with music and media and movie, it's like they, you know, it looks like they own and have really been able to deliver the message of sex to all of us, even as believers, because the church is silence. So I think it's our job as believers inside of small groups, youth groups, churches, homes, obviously, first to be able to talk about sexuality and celebrate it. Um, I loved Chrissy sharing like her talking to her son about it. We told our sons from a super young age, they first heard the word sex and thought it was a bad word. And we're like, sex isn't a bad word. Like sex is from God. The only reason we think it's, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. It's like, no, no, no. The enemy doesn't get to own sex. Like it's from God. We're going to tell you about it one day, but trying to break the shame uh, right away and knowing that this belongs to God and we want to celebrate it. I totally agree with you because I think that we have to like take that back. Like there's perversion all around in this culture, right? In our culture now, in our society. And it's like taking back what is ours, what is, what God is designed to be so beautiful. And even though like it can be somewhat, having the talk, you know, with your child can be uncomfortable for both them and for us. I'm going to tell you, Okay, it was a little, I started getting a little nervous when it was about to come up with my little boy. My precious baby who sees me one way, I was afraid that, oh my goodness, is it going to be weird now? Is it going to be uncomfortable? And, you know, God was totally there. He was in the middle of it and it's not. And just taking that back to um, to what God says about it. But tell us, because we want to know what, how, what do you think is the best age to have that conversation and how should we go about it? Because there's so much information out there for parents. I know, just like you, like we're, you know, we're parents here. There's so many books. You should do it this way. You should take your kids out you know, on a, a weekend away. You should talk to them like this. You should. And there's, there's so many steps. So what do you think? What would be the advice from you? 
Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> we have to break up with the idea of it being one conversation, right? I think that's also part of what has gotten the church where we're at, right? It's not having the talk one day. It's a series of conversations. It's creating a culture in your home that all questions are welcome at any time um, and creating that safe culture and realizing we're going to be fostering conversations around this often. And I think because of the hypersexualized culture, being able to use that when something does come in. Because, I mean, you can't go to dinner. You know, if you're having dinner at a mall and there's a Victoria's Secret, you know, you're seeing something. So taking every opportunity, obviously we guard as much as possible, but then being able to speak to, oh, that's not how God, you know, made it. And really speaking to children and not hiding back in, in shame of these moments. So really taking ownership. But like you said, I think one of the main reasons, being a mom of four, we had four kids in five years. So the amount of overwhelm that parents feel, I completely get. I had a puking daughter at 4 a.m. this morning. So I'm like, I am in it with you. So there's so much information that we're trying to do on our their nutrition and their education and their behavior. You know, you're like... Every parent, I think, is just kind of like, oh, good, I'm going to save that sex talk till like 16. Like, I don't even want to I compartmentalize it, stuff it in a box and forget about it. But realizing it's got to be a normal conversation from the time they're little. Um, so what we actually created, I don't think you guys know this, so I'm super excited to share with you and your uh your audience, we last year created what I believe, I mean, it's our blood, sweat, and tears. It's our baby. We created a one-stop shop. Like, hey, we want every expert, everybody that we normally glean from, we want to put it all together in one place. So we created a course called uh, Parent Well, and it's raising kids in a hypersexualized culture. If parents want to find it, they can go to letsparentwell.com. The reason we created this is because there's an amazing series of books. Like you said, there's probably hundreds, but this amazing series that's been around since the early 90s, but they've uh, revamped it and revised it is called God's Design for Sex Series. And it was by Dr. Stanton Jones. He's since retired. He's an amazing psychologist from Wheaton University, amazing man. He even joined us and he teaches two of our sessions within the course. But there's, there's tools that we want to equip parents with that say there's conversations. His first book that it's just children's books that should be in our children's bookshelves from the time they're little so that it's a part of their normal, I'm going to grab this book off to read for story time tonight. And it's the story of me. And it walks through babies and mom and dad. And, and then he has age appropriate from three to five all the way up to 16. There's a series of four books and it comes with a parent book of how to do this. So we incorporated that in this, but we think part of um, the ex like the roots of why else parents don't talk about it. It's either too busy, over you know, overstimulated, or they don't know how to do it because it wasn't modeled for them by their parents, mm -hmm. and or the shame that comes from their own either disconnect in their sex lives and their marriage, or the roots of what happened to them as a child that never fully got healed and dealt with. Mm -hmm. So in our series, the first two sessions, the first one's all about the home you had and taking a look at what did you experience? What do you want to do differently? What do you want to do the same? What are your roots and fruits when it comes to sexuality? So it's so beautiful because we tried to build it in a holistic way where it deals with you as an individual to make sure that you're not coming away, like, away from conversations with your ch child with having this like super shameful tone or a super like, oh, it's not that great. Like, yeah, we did it to have a baby and that's it. Like, we want to have really healthy conversations with our children and teenagers about this. So it goes from the whole thing. We could talk about age-based conversations, gender confusion and culture, uh, who's in your house, helping parents realize what's coming at their kids because we can't stay naive and ignorant and send our kids out into this world where – it's not like how any of us experienced teenage years, you know, with social media, with music, with all the apps. 
none of us that are parenting now have experienced what our children are experiencing. So there's a whole session on that. So I could talk obviously for hours about it because it's a huge <laughs> passion project of ours that we just completed and launched at the end of last year. So that's a great resource. Let's parent well dot com. Did you say mm -hmm. dot com? So people will be able to reference that and that'll be in the, the show notes. And that's saying, here's what the scriptures teach about sexuality and human sexuality. There's another force in culture and society. You grew up in Florida. I live here in Sarasota, Florida. And we've had a bill that's been passed through our, um, our government, signed by our governor, called the Parents' Rights in Education Act, erroneously dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, which is just yes. saying to, to, to school systems, don't be teaching about sexual identity and um, homosexuality when kids are in kindergarten or the first grade or the second grade or the third grade, which seems to make sense to me. How how do we address these issues that are being foisted on younger and younger children about transgenderism, about homosexuality? How do we teach them that there is a, a better way? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, watching that closely. Uh, love what uh, Governor Ron DeSantis has done um, with that. And I think... I mean, one of the base conversations, we actually just had this in one of our staff meetings yesterday, is we can make simple statements of just saying, you know, identity politics should not be part of a child's life. There's no child that should be sexualized before puberty. Like, that should be a basic thing that we're like, can we all agree on that, regardless of what our faith or politic background is? Like, that's what we're trying to protect children from. Um, now, I think, and I know you mentioned this earlier, Chrissy, the stuff that's just coming up in cartoons now, I mean... Blues Clues, Bubble Guppies, like every show you could think of that you were like, it was the innocent thing I could let my kid watch for a little bit. You're like, it's all being introduced in all of these things. So parents have to be aware um, that it's definitely being infused in so much of what we deemed as safe or, you know, okay for our children to watch. So being aware of that, I think, is a huge thing. It's ever changing. I mean, right, we're right in the mix of it right now. So like for us and our family, it was you know, back when Cuties came out, we canceled our Netflix. Now we're realizing, okay, we need to cancel our Disney. And I'm not saying the cancel culture idea, but just realizing there's no way I'm going to subject my children to these ideologies or uh, be funding them by my, you know, subscriptions. But it's just so important that we, again, have the conversations with our children because you can't go to Target now without seeing the messaging with your children. So just having the conversations. One of my best resources for those with little children, because um, I think a lot of times as parents, and especially in this topic specifically, we don't even have the language yet because we're like, wait, what? Like, I, I didn't even know that was a thing until recently, uh, let alone when I was a child. So how do we put this in their language? Um, there's this amazing book. I grabbed it to be able to show you guys. It's I Don't Have to Choose. And it was written by this grandma who's just super passionate, but she had a psychologist look through it, you know, really edit it and make sure it was good. But it just is the simplest way of introducing a child to you don't have to choose. Like there's a boy and a girl. Um, just because she likes to climb trees doesn't mean she's a boy. Just because he likes to play house with the dolls with her doesn't mean he's a girl. Like breaking down these things that it just is a way to really introduce it to young children and have it be a part of conversation rather than, 
oh my gosh, let me cover your eyes when we walk by the, you know, the, the messaging of trans rights when we're in Target. So um, I think right. just, again, owning the conversation when they're young and then being open to having constant conversations with our children about who God says we are. And really going back to the beginning in Genesis, like he created us male and female and making sure we're keeping God's design for sexuality up front, not just thinking we always have to say, oh, this is the bad, 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 but this is what is the true. And it's so sad to think that so many people are being lied to. Yeah. And you know what? We've seen that so much. Like my kids are, my kids are actually homeschooled. We have a wonderful church bubble. I don't care. Like I protect them as much as we can, you know, and I know one day they'll have to go out and they'll be exposed to um, a lot more that I can't really protect them from. But while they're in my home, we do as much as we can. Um, But even going to the store, and it's funny that you even mentioned like Target. And it was a few years ago when we were down an aisle and my kids then looked like shocked and like started to get startled. And when I turned and looked, it was because they ran into um, a transgender male. And then one of my little girls, as I brought them aside, I said, hey, you know, you guys okay? And um, my little one uh, just started crying and she was scared. She was like, that was so scary. And I was so brokenhearted, like, we have to have this little conversation. And, co- and you know, the Lord really um, helped us through that to be able to, okay, that feeling that you feel inside, that like that like it's not right and that scary feeling, it's because it's from that you have a little Holy Spirit, little girl like in you to know, like discern that this, is, this doesn't seem like how God designed it. And we mm-hmm. got to have an age appropriate conversation with her. Yep. And um, so I truly believe that, you know, we can't, as much as I joke, like we have a church bubble or a little home bubble. I mean, but we live in this world, right? right. And so we got to go out shopping and we're going to see stuff and we have to really discern how to have that conversation. But what about the church, right? What about the church um, as a whole around that topic of the LGBTQ lifestyle and their theology? Like, what? how would you think is the best way the church can walk in both truth and love um, for those living in that lifestyle, because I think we get, like, as a church, a bad rap for just being haters. And then there's so much hurt. And when really we know that there's a lot of deception. Yeah. I mean, man, that's such a layered conversation, right? So, right. <laughs> because the idea I think there is we always want to be a bridge. Like, we don't want to burn the bridge before there's ever even a conversation. Um, and so being able to say, I think it's like an old Max Licato quote, but it's like, you know, Jesus takes us any way we come. He doesn't leave us that way. But I know that that to somebody in that lifestyle could feel so offensive because the, the root issue is the identity crisis, right? It's this, uh, my attraction or is my identity, um, there's so, there's so many layers and there's so much that you're like, yeah, I want to be loving and open, but then I'm going to be very clear on what I believe the Bible says about sexuality and identity. So I think first of all, the church has to continue. I, one thing that I love Chris Valton again, um, our founder, this is years ago, but when somebody was like, Hey, we really need you to talk and preach about homosexuality in the church. He's like, I want to, he's like, but we haven't even talked about sexuality yet. Like we have to be saying what the God thing is and what the right thing is before we just come in like, oh boy, we better put up our flags and say, this is what we think. Like, hello, we need to do, we need to give constant vision for this is what God said. This is the beauty of it. This is why he created us this way. And so I think that's so important. And 
probably more vital now than ever to be continually declaring God's design for man and woman, for husband, for wife. What is marriage? Marriage is between a man and a woman, two put together that don't separate. Like going back to Genesis, talking in Matthew 19, where Jesus brings it up again, like constantly sharing those scriptures and giving vision for why God created us the way he did, for why he established family, or why did God decide to be seen as the father? And then why, of course, did the enemy come in and attack the identity of a father inside of our culture to where, you know, a lot of people, it is, there's father wounds, mother wounds, there's trauma abuse. Um, We have an entire movement that I would also just say, this is the best resource. If you are a pastor listening, if you're a parent listening, if you're just a family where you're like, I have a loved one that I would love to know how to have these conversations better. Um, it's called changedmovement.com. So they're a part of Moral Revolution. Their office is right here. Um, they are a entire group, I mean, hundreds of people, but they're led by people who were once gay. So that's a group of people saying, hey, Jesus has changed us. Like that, you know, it's very... We, we are Christians who didn't want our same-sex attraction, and so we walked out in being completely transformed. Um, both of the leaders, uh, Ken Williams is amazing. He has a book called The Journey Out. You can get that at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere. He has an entire course to help people that are in that struggle that want help to get out called FindingYouCourse.com. Um, he was once gay, he's now married for 15 years. They have four children, amazing Ken and Tiffany Williams. And then Elizabeth Wanning is the other co-founder who was living an openly lesbian life inside of Presbyterian Seminary. Um, And she didn't even have the idea that that identity would be bad, she, or wrong, or not godly. She thought this is, you know, had her beliefs around why it was until Jesus just encountered her and said, you're not gay. And she's like, yes, I am. Why would you say that? And just walked out this relationship of getting to know Jesus and getting to understand identity and now she's been happily married to Doug for years. So it's really cool because they share out of their experiences, their stories. But then, honestly, they've just become experts um, in the field. And they have so many resources on our website. There's one called Pastoring Homosexuality. Um, there's Conversations of hom- Homosexuality in the Church. And we have Sex Church Culture. We have a lot of resources on our website for pastors, for people, of how do we have these conversations in a really healthy way? How do we love people in the midst of this process? Caitlin, you are a fountain of resource. And if we people have been do have a lot. That's what we do here. <laughs> carefully, like, well, here's a resource and here's a resource. So uh, to get people connected, it'll be in the show notes, themoralrevolution.com. Is that where people should go or should they go to Let's Parent Well or letsparentwell.com or, or do they connect with each other? How do people find you? And then how do we follow the Zinc Zoo? Yes. So moralrevolution.com is the place that it's all going to land. What's amazing about our website is you can even go by topic. We have hundreds of free blogs, podcasts, YouTube. So there's lots of free resources there and you can go by topic. So it could be single, dating, marriage, parenting, LGBTQ. It's all there. Abortion, like it's all there. You pick what topic you want to read or listen on. Um, And then all of those other Let's Parent Well, Changed Movement, they're all linked. So you'll be able to find it there. Um, Instagram platform, Facebook, whatever place you kind of get your most, uh, you know, influence. We are on Instagram daily. So we have lots of resources, but it's all would land on moralrevolution.com. And then, yeah, the Zik Zoo is just our crazy crew. My Instagram is just my name, Caitlin Zik. But, yeah, I... We lead Moral Revolution. I have a book called Look at You, Girl, which is for women. 
um, moms, young girls, whatever age you are, just to really shore up identity in Christ and realize who God says we are. Um, and those are our passions. Well, Caitlin, Chrissy, and I really want to thank you for taking time to share with our audience because we're all about increasing influence, and we don't influence anything more important than our families and the rising generation. So thanks for being a part, and my dear friends, please tune in and get these great resources that are available. And for the Influencers Podcast, I'm Scott Young. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus.